This episode of Hockey Press Pass is presented in part by the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village. Unplug your game. Buy board games. Play board games. Food and drink. Fun. And friends. Obviously, I had uh, Chara with the Islanders when he was a rookie, and, and he's just a wonderful person. So yeah. I'm glad to, glad to hear that. Uh, welcome to Hockey Press Pass, presented by Instat Hockey. Our guest is Sarah Sivian, the brilliant hockey writer for The Athletic, one of the most creative and distinctive voices in the game today. Prior to owning the Carolinas Hurricanes beat for The Athletic, Sarah covered the Boston Bruins for WEEI. And as we've seen with many of the top writers who've been on the show, honed her craft covering the hockey teams at her college, in this case, a little place called Penn State. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for doing this, Sarah. I know you're asked to do these a lot and you have your own podcast at The Athletic and you have that beat and that team. So thank you so much for doing this. No big deal. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks. Um, I don't have to see your byline to know it's a Sarah Sivian article. Oh. So it was developed, and I mean, I, I mean, make that clear. That's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I, I just realized as I said that, you know, so, but was developing your own style and you're only a few years out of Penn State, but was developing your own style, original storyline, something you worked at or did it come naturally? Yeah, I think I had an interesting path because I worked for like a school, a student run blog. It wasn't like affiliated with Penn State. It was called Onward State. And they kind of gave you the freedom to write about kind of what you cared about in your own voice. And it did get us into trouble a couple of times with the paper. We had like a feud, but I think I honed kind of like not being afraid to use my own voice there. And there's still some time, I'm obviously still learning. And there are times you kind of should dial your voice back and be an objective reporter that I think I think I kind of learned the opposite way, you know, so I'm learning it the other way now. 
But as it turns out, wasn't doing that blog as opposed to the official paper the right way to go? I was reading something today you wrote, and I was like, yeah, that's Sarah. And <laughs> it's about the hockey. It was about the hockey manager, and he missed a game to do the song. And, you know, I mean, like, you know, and by the way, wow. I should mention. That's a deep cut. <laughs> it's only four years ago. Feels <laughs> so, like forever. Yeah, I'm sure it does for me, too. Um, I, I should admit, I had to look up. I know what a dance marathon is. I'm an old guy. They were bigger back then, even. And but I had to look up what Thon was when I first looked it up, uh, thinking it stood for something. Anyway, I digress. Those are the kind of interesting angles that you perhaps would have only written for that as opposed to a more traditional school paper, correct? Yeah, it's kind of awesome how that worked out then kind of to a brief stint in WEI and then The Athletic where it does, it's, I'm not constrained. It's like kind of the same as writing for the blog, except like I have an insanely talented roster of colleagues and editors and things like that. But it's been awesome kind of being able to apply that stuff. Do you have, for the most part, editorial reign, if not total control at The Athletic? Or uh, is it a collaborative process with the editors? I mean, part of me pictures in the case of you, whether it's Myrtle or who's ever there, saying, you know, it's Sarah. Let, let Sarah be Sarah. Let her do her thing. Yeah, I've had some great editors in my day and my current one, he kind of likes to fly under the radar. So I won't say his name, but I credit him with teaching me to home. He gets when I need to be myself, but he gets how to refine that in a way that's not necessarily not going to get me in trouble, but like is clarity, right? Like he gives clarity to my writing when I'm kind of, it needs to be reeled back a little bit. And I, he brings nothing but like, he enhances my writing so well. And I think that's so, so important. How is the WEEI ex, uh, experience for you? I, I, was it about a year or so? And, yeah. and and what was that like covering the Bruins, being around the Bruins? I believe uh, your favorite team, according to an old bio uh, that I read. <laughs> so, so, so what was that like? Yeah, I grew up in Boston. It was awesome kind of at first to be able to do that and like char was my childhood hero i guess that shows how kind of inexperienced i am but um i played hockey because of him but it was awesome to kind of get to do that like full circle moment but at the same time weei is kind of i don't know if you're how familiar you are with it but they i appreciate the experience looking back like they were the type of people that would make fun of my articles on air, like my colleagues would do that. And they'd be like, oh, this girl actually thinks the team's good. Like, you know how Boston media is? And I, I could take it because I'm from Boston and I understand that, but it was definitely a, a trip. I gotcha. Uh, by the way, Zidane is the, the childhood favorite of like 40 year olds too. So <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the best. You don't have to put it on, on you. I was wondering from uh, the PR staff to Don Waddell, who is certainly a, a known to be a gentleman, uh, Rod Brindamore and the player, players, just generally, how has it been to work with the Hurricanes? Oh, it's been great. It's been different because obviously in Boston, it's a million reporters and then you don't get as much access just by default. But then when you're here, it's kind of like they want you to write about the team. So that's been really different. And it's kind of like, oh, God, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Because you get such a good opportunity. You just want to make the most of it. Everybody has been so incredible to work with, though. And I feel like I owe a lot of how I've progressed as a reporter to them and being accessible and easy to work with. 
Brenda Moore is a, is a source of fascination for a lot of us uh, for good reason, not just uh, for his uh, uh, physical, uh, oh, I don't know what you call it, <laughs> impressiveness, uh, but the way he works the room, uh, the way, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I think a lot of people thought, I'll put this on myself, that when he was named a coach, there was a question as to how good he would be, that you can only maybe get by so much on, on uh, emotion. Uh, but he seems to prove, have proven with his staff to check all the boxes, the X's and O's. It's wondering what you think of his coaching so far, and also what has it been like to work with him as, as one of the main beat writers of the team? Yeah, I feel like with the Hurricanes as a whole, egos kind of go out the door and everybody works together. They have to because it's like the experience of working for the Hurricanes, you're not going to get paid the most money. You're not going to get like financially, it's not going to be that much of a reward, but the reward actually is getting to chip in and decision making. It's kind of like a by committee thing. So I feel like Rod, obviously he's really good at the X's and O's, but at the same time, like he focuses on the emotional side and relating to players while he has no ego and he lets other people deal with the X's and O's and taking that off his plate allows him to be a better coach and then allows the the video coach, for example, to be a better video coach and it all blends together. But yeah, when I think about Rod Brindamore, I think about no ego and I think about respect. Like if he, if you respect the way he wants to play the game, you respect the game. And if you respect him, he's going to respect you. And that goes for anybody. I think people have this perception of him as this scary Rod the Bod guy. Yeah, he is jacked, but he is very smart and just very full of respect, you know? Yeah. It was interesting when the, when the, the, the new owner took over, the, the, it was a short period of time, and if we wanted to, we could probably. I, by the way, I wouldn't want people calling up my old bad tweets either, right? But for a while there, they became kind of a joke, right? Like they're they're people are laughing at them. They're gonna they're gonna do things differently, and they fire this guy who was popular, and and what are they gonna do with payroll? And by the way, this is something I'm very experienced at because I worked for the Islanders in the '90s, where we had ten different owners, and, and it was bad a lot. But then they got good, and the post-game celebration was universally, just about universally, uh, lauded. Uh, how has that been for you to cover, to see a team? And granted, I say this with the Islanders all the time when we have Islander guests on and other teams, the goal is to win the Stanley Cup, Sarah, of course. But they've won a lot, and man, they've been darn entertaining. So what's that been like to cover that narrative these last few years? I guess in the beginning, it was cool to see, like I always thought, talking to Justin Williams and talking to Rod Brindamore, that this was going to work out. They were always so sure. Like they believed in themselves when nobody believed. And that's so corny. And like, usually I don't know if I expect that, but I just had this feeling with them. And it was cool that they were right. But it was a weird situation with the Canes because they were always like a middling team for years before they made the playoffs. And they just needed like a, maybe a little more heart. I don't even know what it was like goaltending for sure, but then they got that and it was kind of a whirlwind where it, it was like a fairy tale with Brenda Moore because you bring the guy back that won the cup and then he knows what to do. And there's a mural of him like in PNC arena. So that was cool. And then it changes, right? When they're, they've been good for a few years, the expectation changes and they have to live up to that and covering them. It's not like, 
oh, look at the Cinderella story anymore. It's kind of like, okay, how do I change that in my coverage where it's like, a, you'd be a little tougher, you know? It, it might have been just like a fluky coincidence, but when you look at your style and your generally positive outlook, I don't mean that necessarily about the team that you're always positive, but like you're you're uh, uh, you're a happy person. God bless you. I wish I had heard that. Um, uh, it, I guess I'm I'm curious as to how you wound up at the athletic and on this beat because it turns out for now in this moment in time, this period, we know these things don't last forever in terms of a team being great, changes are made, whatever. But you're you seem, you're kind of a perfect match. So how did you wind up on this beat? Yeah, it really worked out. Like I couldn't imagine a better scenario for me, but it, I was at the Bruins for a while, just kind of going through that. And then at the end of the playoff run or at the beginning of preseason, um, Craig Customs gives me a call and he's like, your name is floating around as like a good young voice that could cover like a young team. And the way he sold it to me, like he knew something, like he (laughs) knew that the Canes were going to be good and that it was like, young people that were going to give me kind of access and I'm learning with them. And it was kind of like, I was along for the ride. So kind of in a unique way. And I think he nailed that hire because that was, it was just so much fun. And I think they needed a new voice kind of with the Canes and now it's a different situation. And I have so much respect for people that have covered the beat for a long time, but I think there just needed to be like a new voice around to maybe even challenge other people and kind of go along like with a fresh eyes and not jaded by kind of the last 10 years. Anybody would be jaded by that. Oh yeah. And and when I talk about being positive, I think about the goaltending situation this summer, Uh, big changes there and people wondering what's up with that. And you were, you, you stated the hurricanes case. Um, Is that, and you know, and let's face it, you as long as you've been on the beat, they've been good, they've been con- they've been a contender, they continue to be this year. But is that kind of a, a natural instinct of yours, especially because the hurricanes have earned it, like they've kind of earned the benefit of the doubt in their decision making? Because, like I said, going back to Condon, this you know, they, they were criticized before they ever did anything or before the game started. So, is that kind of uh, in your nature to be, or is it that? hey, they've continued to prove that they get things right even when they lose a player. They lose Dougie Hamilton. They haven't, they haven't missed a beat, you know? So is that is that kind of your style or your approach right now to this beat? Yeah, that's exactly it. And kind of learning how they work and learning like what their philosophy was with the goaltending. It was that, okay, Nadelkovich hasn't played that many NHL games and they know that he could be good, but they don't, want to take the risk they want an above average goaltender that has been proven like in the playoffs with his underlying numbers they wanted experience so I didn't necessarily agree or disagree with that but I agreed with the premise that like okay that makes sense because a lot of people were just like this makes no sense they're being idiots so I just kind of wanted to clarify that okay no this is their philosophy and I think them giving me the access to do that has kind of helped them, but it's also helped me understand things and be able to explain them. So I definitely err on the side of wanting to explain things because I do think that these are really smart people trying to make, it's not like they're trying to sabotage the team, you know? So like, let's, and they do make mistakes and I've criticized them on the Tony D'Angelo signing and things like that. But I do 
have a tendency to try to explain things for sure. Thank you for saying Nadelkovic because I would have probably butchered it if you <laughs> it took noticed. Took me a while. I, I, I referred to it as the goaltending situation. <laughs> That's uh, smart. And then also, you know, I guess I'm always going to come back to the Islanders, whether it's Arthur Staple or Andrew Gross or now Kevin Kurz, is that it's, you know, I used to work for the team and then I blogged for the team and they were mostly not good. And I think about like if I if I'm Arthur or Andrew or Kevin now, even with them struggling this season with COVID and everything else, it's it would, like Lamorello and Trotz. Like they've, I don't know what more you could freaking do, right? Like they've kind of, like they've kind of gotten everything. They lost to Varis and got better. They've been in the conference final. So, so yeah. And occasionally when I do chime in about the team, I find myself being fairly positive these days because why would you not give these people the benefit of the doubt? So I get that. Yeah. And with the Islanders, it's kind of the start wasn't their fault. Like, I, I really think that that affected them. And I feel like it's hard to be too harsh with teams over the past two years. Just, and I know that everybody has gone through everything. I don't want to be too harsh to anybody these past two years. It's just been a crazy time, you know? Uh, by the way, uh, Sarah Sevian and Islander fans, how would you describe that relationship? <laughs> well, you know what? Yeah, I, they weren't no, my no, favorite. Go ahead, go ahead. They, they love you. Yeah. <laughs> Online, they, they aren't my favorite, but now I, I understand them. And I watched the last playoff run with them, with a group of them in person. And they were so crazy and so passionate and so welcoming. They didn't know who I was. So they just brought me into their little group in Raleigh. And it was amazing. I had so much fun. So I'll give them that. That changed my perspective. And it just goes to show... It's just whoever the team you're covering is playing in the playoffs is going to have vitriol towards you, especially if they'd been kind of slept on. Like, I know Islanders fans get no respect around the league and stuff, so I get where they're coming from now. It was a nice experience over the summer. (laughs) That's only natural when you bring up a great point about when you're in a playoff series. And by the way, I see this with journalists in the NHL who've been around a long time taking on fans of other teams. Uh, I don't want to name any names, but I think of some guys as old as me, if not older, in Boston and Toronto. They seem to want to take on, you know, so, uh, you know, it's all fun, uh, but I get it. It's fans, which brings me uh, to this, because I wasn't going to ask you about uh, Sarah and the Islanders, but that was a natural. Uh, You engage on social media. You also engage in the comments section, like in your style rankings, you're responding. That that's I, I love that i appreciate it i'm sure most everybody else does too but not and i think the athletic writers are sometimes encouraged to i've seen Haley salvi and i've seen arthur do it but um you you are taking the time to respond to the people who are subscribers but is this something you either set aside time to make a point of doing regularly and then is there a time where you find yourself having to walk away from it at times Yeah, it definitely depends on the day, but the community aspect is definitely my favorite part of working at The Athletic. I feel like it's awesome to be able to connect to subscribers who kind of truly get you or kind of answer questions and go a little bit beyond if you can. Um, It's always been about the community for me. I feel like when I... I started getting into hockey writing like and hockey blogging at Penn State as a freshman because I was watching the Bruins from home and or from Penn State and felt homesick. So I started tweeting about them like as a fan. So the Twitter kind of community and going back and forth with people has always been ingrained in like 
my brand of journalism, I guess, and for better or for worse. Sometimes it's for worse, and I definitely need, I'm trying to learn to take a step back, and it's not a big deal. Like, it's just some person behind a screen, you know, and it's like, it's better to leave it alone, but it's hard to drive that home in my brain sometimes. More Sarah Sivian and Chris Bonna on Hockey Press Pass next. Hey guys, it's producer Pat, and I want to tell you about Instat Hockey. Instat Hockey offers the largest statistical data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. Trusted by coaches, scouts, players, and of course, media personnel at every level of the game, there is no better choice than Instat to help in the evaluation of games and individual players. The Instat Hockey platform saves the user hours of time watching game film. Team and player statistics are pre-cut into separate playlists, including players' individual shifts, and all video clips can be edited, shared, and downloaded by the user. Visit instatsport.com hockey today for more info. Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and games for play. Food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. Bring the magic of phones down, eyes up, tabletop board games to your family. Their staff will help you find the right board game for you. From card and party games to games for families to strategy games, we have it all. Get off your screens and unplug your game for a night your family will remember. Looking for groups to join? Our Magic, The Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, or Warhammer communities are welcoming for all. Located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd. Unplug your game. Where it relates to the hurricanes was the most uh, either back and forth or heat around the Tony D'Angelo signing, or is that nothing compared to maybe some other things that you've said or people have said? Um, Monch, it depends. It's t- like within the fan base, probably the Tony D'Angelo. I guess that was just hard for everybody in the fan base, I think, because it was kind of like a division. But I think the Montreal saga has been the most, because Montreal, I knew that growing up in Boston, that that was always going to be, that fan base is big. It's like a Patriots fan base, except they haven't won recently. So it's a lot of people with a lot of opinions and who care so much about the team. You got to respect that, but it gets a little crazy. And especially like the dynamics of this fun, young team on social media saying whatever and doing the storm surge and this storied franchise. And then the young team's good. And like, I don't know, it's a lot of things there, but it's like so much, back and forth that can get crazy i totally get it and i'm not going to take a shot at his name either but it seems like whenever the guy who the cane signed from the canadians <laughs> when he has a couple of good games then everything's all great and when he has to go back games and all the montreal fans like is it they're never gonna let this go with him are they no but the the thing to do is to embrace that right yeah i, I guess hope. you gotta embrace it i it can get tough with that fan base, but they're clicking my articles. So <laughs> I used to, yeah, and it brings up a good point with because with when you're dealing with subscribers, um, I wasn't hesitant in the early days of Twitter to use the block feature. Um, 
my feeling and and it wasn't if they disagreed with me i i get that oh i disagree with you once and you bought no there's no way i blocked you just because you said i didn't like that article chris or um it was either because you wrote something like really freaking heinous or you just like made up something about me which is a common common yeah <laughs> like <laughs> wow like i didn't expect that like really you you knew about something that happened to me in LaSalle University in 1986. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Um, so <laughs> do you, but I digress. Uh, thank you for joining the show, Sarah. Um, <laughs> do, uh, do you, you, will you use the block? Is there, is there a, a line that, that's crossed uh, for, to, for you to block somebody or are you able to just tune it out? No, I'm not able to tune it out. And I will admit that. And it's, you have to protect your peace. This is your, it's so weird because it's like a quasi workplace for journalists, right? And it's not only me seeing the response. It's like people that follow me. Like when you say someone made something up about you, that has happened to me a bunch of times. And it's so bizarre because it's like floating around on the internet where people can see it. And I'm like, okay, if you're doing that, like you could harm credibility like how do you even react to that it's so it's like a no man's land that we haven't really had much training in journalism to know how to navigate twitter and things like that that aren't true and it seems like the more you respond to things like that the more traction they get and i've made that mistake for sure so now it's like okay i don't want anybody to see that so i'm going to block it or if, if you say something that i don't want like my dad to see or like people that I love to see I'm going to block it or I'm going to block anything these days that even annoys me like I have not enough energy as it is kind of trying to navigate these pandemic times like if you're upsetting me in my workplace, which I consider Twitter now because I you can't really sometimes you can go outside sometimes you can't so I'm not tolerating it, you know. I don't blame you. You you absolutely should. And honestly, so should everybody, especially when we're going to get into making up stuff, whether it be about the team, about the story, or the other favorite one, not on a personal attack level, is, yeah, but you said they were going to do this, and they never did this. You said they were going to trade it, and I'm like, what <laughs> you know they, they might sometimes say it and they'd be right that i was wrong in some report or whatever so uh no i i, I am with you uh you're right i don't think you know they don't they're not teaching this in journalism and now it's a real thing uh does the athletic provide uh you you, you have your own guidelines and ultimately you're going to do what you want to do but i was wondering if the athletic because your writers are engaging in the comment section at times uh, do they provide any direction on that definitely i've had to do this a few a few months ago somebody tried to say i wasn't jewish and like went went through like my whole history and was like calling out my parents and i'm just like this is so creepy first of all like i don't know like it was so bizarre and it was like a stalkerish situation but i reached out to we have an hr team that in a lawyer that is really really good at monitoring stuff and making you feel safe so if it's a safety issue for sure but it, i don't think anybody knows how to deal with kind of this new age okay we're reacting in the comments and I, i'd be so interested in kind of taking a, a class like that and seeing like what social media experts say but it's something that's kind of like with cyber laws too i've lagged behind and i'm curious to see what the next steps are like i i 
I'm into learning about that for sure. Back to hockey, we're both big hockey fans, and there was so much talk about the Olympics and now the uh, NHL players not going, uh, but the, the best women players are going. U.S., Canada, the other country. I believe we'll see a U.S.-Canada final, but you never know. I was just wondering, as a fan, who might maybe get a chance to just, or I don't know, maybe they'll ask you to cover it, who might get a chance to just put your feet up and have a drink and, and watch the games? Are you excited for the women's hockey Olympics? Oh, God, it's the best of the best. Like, I don't understand how people say the women's product isn't good enough or whatever they say. If That just tells me they haven't seen the U.S.-Canada rivalry. That's just, it's so intense. And it's almost like, Part of me wants to be like, let them fight. But part of it is like the tension rises because they can't fight and it makes for some beautiful hockey and hard hits. I love the game uh, pretty much at all levels and at the collegiate level too. And you saw it at Pagula Arena. And and um, it's just, it's so exciting to me. It, I, they, you might want to say they're different, but it's not like one is better than the other in my opinion. Exactly. It's different varieties of hockey. And I feel like a true hockey fan should watch it all yeah collegiate's fun too oh my god the defense is non-existent but that makes it fun <laughs> you said it uh sometimes <laughs> it's not existent yeah, I'm sure yeah, I, yeah. I'm, eventually some coaches are going to take it over and manage the hell out and make it boring just like they, some of the nhl coaches have made three on three uh, somehow mm-hmm. found a way to drain all the fun out of three on three uh last one sarah and thank you again so much for doing this but I always ask for uh, everybody who comes on to offer some uh, advice from your time on the beat and at EEI and at Penn State. So, you know, you probably get this a lot, and I know you're going to in future years. You be asked to speak to classes and, and everything else. Could you please share uh, with our audience some suggestions? Let's put it as, you know, for a writer looking to cover hockey, NHL, any level of hockey, uh, what would you suggest to them about getting into the business and some of your best practices when you're thinking of storylines or regular column ideas? What are some of the things you would suggest? Say yes to everything you can. Nothing is below you. Like nothing is below you. And sometimes the minor leagues or college hockey are really great opportunities to hone in on your reporting skills and to kind of be less nervous when you're starting out and like actually have a rapport with people and say, just say yes to everything that you can, like all the opportunities that you get and make the most out of them. And I would also say, cause a lot of people ask me about my like younger reporters ask me about my social media, how to grow a following. Don't worry about that. I never once thought, Oh, I want to grow my following. Like it's not your priority should be the journalism and if you're funny, tell jokes. If not, you don't have to like it. Just do what you're good at and try to hone in on what you're good at. And people will want to follow you or not. It doesn't matter. Just focus on the journalism. I, I love that. I have to say, I don't think I, not, never mind just on this show. I don't think I've ever heard somebody say, don't worry about growing your following. I, I do hear that a lot. And when I think about it, for the most part, it, you know, TikTok stars aside, right? YouTubers aside, just talking about in the Twitter, doing the, the journalism thing, reporting. Yeah, there isn't, you could try, you could force it, but it goes bad. Do good work, be yourself. Uh, that is unbelievable advice. And I really, really appreciate that. And thank you once again for taking time out to, to do this, Sarah. Appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Anytime. Sarah Sivian of The Athletic. Thank you. 
All right, excellent stuff there with Sarah Sivian of The Athletic and Chris. And that'll do it for this episode of Hockey Press Pass. Stay tuned. We've got a new Islanders forecheck coming out on Thursday morning. And for everybody here on the Press Pass family, for Ksenia, Danny, and of course Chris, I'm Pat Boyle. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Hockey Press Pass. Thank you.